Welcome to the Small Business Show. Join us as we have candid conversations with entrepreneurs and experts in the industries to uncover the wisdom and strategies for running a successful business. The Small Business Show is the official podcast of Garuda Promo and Branding Solutions. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Small Business Show. I'm your host, Swire Ho, the promo guy. Today, we have our guest is Angel Rebo. He's also known as the CEO of Confidence. Uh, he's a business influencer, LinkedIn strategist, international TV host, public speaker, CEO consultant, board member, and philanthropist. How are you doing, Angel? Thank you. Thank you very much for the introduction. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me today. And obviously, everybody who's watching us, thank you. Uh, you have a very impressive resume. Uh, would you please tell us uh, a little bit more about what you do and you know what are some of the conversations that you have had uh, with the CEO that you're consulting right now? Yeah, absolutely. So well, basically, I'm originally from, from close to, to Barcelona in Spain. I've lived in Texas now for 10 years. Before that, I lived in Latin America. And before that, obviously, in Europe, in different places in Europe. And basically what I do, uh, it's uh, two like very different things. One for with my consulting business, my CEO business, I help both corporate CEOs and established entrepreneurs to bridge the gap globally for expansion and exposure as a way to accelerate the growth of their businesses. And I'm able to do that because throughout my corporate career, I left corporate America in 2016, I had helped more than 1,500 CEOs to grow their businesses in more than 33 countries. I was blessed with having my you know, parents put me through you know, several language uh, education when I was a kid. So I have been able to use extensively my knowledge of foreign languages in order to be able to create those trust, you know, uh, trustworthy relationships with so many executives all over the world. And at the same time, at the same time, by living so many years in Latin America, I was able to see a lot of poverty. So in 2017, I was uh, able to uh, launch along with a couple of friends to launch the Wisdom for Kids Foundation. And what we do is we basically help underprivileged kids in Latin America become entrepreneurs using the local resources. And we have helped more than 1,000 kids uh, so far. So that's in a nutshell who Angel Rebo and the CEO Confidant is, uh, Swire. Nice, nice. Um, actually wanted to jump on to our first question. And I know that you're kind enough to uh, post it on your LinkedIn. Uh, and then your follower, I think the most uh, people respond to is, you know, pivoting in times of crisis. I read some of the uh, comment that uh, were on your share post. And, you know, some people don't think they're in crisis. Some people think that they are in a crisis and they have to pivot. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that? Like how, and my question to you will be, what would consider a crisis in a business? And how do you suggest we pivot from it? Well, that, that's a great question. Let's say that the reason why I speak about crisis is because I have had to face myself either alone or, you know, with the different corporations I was working with, you know, uh, you know, times of crisis. I mean, crisis is, some, is your, your business can be in crisis, but the market maybe not necessarily is in crisis, right? So let's make two, those two differences. So I think that we tend, we tend to take action when we see that the market is in crisis because lots of things start to change. We don't really know how to cope with it. There's uncertainty and uncertainty both in business and personally generates a lot of, I would say fear, blunt, you know, bluntly, you know, said uh, fear. And that thing, that's basically what makes us start thinking, okay, so 
Should we do something about that fear? Should we do something about that uncertainty? You know, crisis, again, typically when I see that my clients are massively changing, it's when I interpret that that's a, that's a crisis. You know, for the last 18 months, now it's uh, June 2021, for the last 18 months, lots of things have happened in the market, but not every single industry has been in crisis. There's been a lot of industries that actually have really had a great time, the best time ever, and not necessarily only the healthcare sector or the health sector or the medical devices industry, but many different sectors have really had a great time, probably the best time ever <laughs> in history, probably. So I, I would say that as an entrepreneur or even as a CEO of a corporation, I interpret the crisis when lots of different variables around me in my environment are starting to change, and I see that I have to do something. And in that environment, I, I would I probably remember year 2008, 2009, probably we all remember also what was going on in the, in the world, right? Or in 2001, when, you know, the, the Twin Towers uh, happened. So you see that a lot of things are happening in the market, and you see that you have to change. And I have to say that, actually, it was a real blessing that we had this happen just because we are obliged to start thinking what to change in order to serve our clients better. I personally think that regardless of how our industry was touched, I think that always keeping in mind the idea that we always have to change, that we always have the opportunity and the space to offer an additional product or service to our clients is going to be, it's, it's a, actually a recipe for continuous success on our business wire. Yeah, I would say, I would say so, especially, uh, you know, agree with your comment that some uh, company actually are doing the best of the year. And especially I know a, um, consultants that normally he would travel around the country to do seminar to uh, coach client. Now with Zoom, with everyone getting very comfortable in front of their camera, right in front of their computer station, uh, she's actually hosting workshop virtually and he doesn't have to travel, right? He can do, uh, he can have the content available for more people. I'm sure that you notice that too. You might, maybe you like flying, you like traveling, but then right now uh, with consulting, you can actually be anywhere in the world uh, and able to connect with basically anyone uh, globally. I couldn't agree more. I, I mean, I agree with you 100%. I love traveling. I love being on the road. I love, you know, taking planes. I, you know, I, I was one of those crazy guys, like taking 200 plus flights a year, right? Uh, and, 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 you know, staying hundreds of nights in, in hotels. I'm, and I'm, I'm that guy. I mean, I love that. But also at the same time, you know, at the same time, there's people that right now are in fear because they don't know how to actually develop business online. So there's the two sides, right? The people that right now they have perfectly adapted to the new situation and I'm actually like saving, right? And on, on their ex travel expenses, but there's other people that don't feel comfortable. So again, that's an opportunity for another type of, uh, you know, coaches and maybe trainers and even consultants on how to make the most of your presence online in order to keep on generating business for your company. So as you see, it's always like, is, is your bottle half empty or half full, right? And I always believe that there's always an opportunity. And as far as you're able to read your market properly, I think that you will always be able to see what's the value that you can keep on adding to your clients. And it's the same with you. I mean, you are the promo guy, right? So I'm sure that through what was happening and going on in the world, you identify several things, several products, several services that you could yourself provide on top of what was already being provided by your company, correct? But you have to be listening. The thing is, you have to be listening. I mean, we might be stuck for a while, but then listen and take action. 
I think I think one of the way, at least, you know, if you putting me on the table is, you know, I, I like to uh, chat with my client. So uh, finding out what happened in their industry. So I think that's a one way to learn uh, about, you know, news from uh, people that are actually purchasing from me. Another way that I like to look at uh, when learning the trend is what my supplier, my vendors are sending me. So uh, give you an example. I think it was in April, uh, in March, we start noticing that, you know, all of our clothing uh, supplier are switching gears to make face masks. And I, I received like 20, 30 emails every day with different supplier uh, for doing the face mask. So we actually try and jump on the trend. And uh, April is actually the best month that we have because we're able to see that trend, knowing that it's going to come in. So I, I would suggest, you know, all the listener, uh, you know, listening, if you're like Angel said, if you're stuck, Talk to people in your industry, you know, maybe uh, talk to your supplier or talk to even competitor if they would take your call and just ask them, you know, how, are you, what are you guys doing and uh, see if there's any uh, trends. Maybe you need to not change your business entirely, maybe just to shift a little bit uh, to, to, to the way that you conduct your business. Exactly. It's funny how just a few minutes ago, I was actually uh, coaching one of my clients in Europe. He's an entrepreneur, very smart. Uh, amazing, amazing individual, but still, you know, um, the, the, the conversation went something like, I have so so many different options. I know I could do this, I could do that, I could do that, but in reality, you can actually, you know, start like analyzing which of the opportunities in the market is better and what's going to be the best one for you to provide to people and what's the one that you're going to like the most to provide. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is that you take action. You see things going on around you, you take action, and then you see what happens. And it's easier and easier and easier actually to get to grasp the intelligence from the market. You said it very well. You're only one call away from talking to your all the stakeholders of your business, all of them. You mentioned different categories there. And just ask them, what do you think? What do what are you seeing? What are you seeing? What do you think is going to happen, you know, one month down the road, or maybe three months or six months or one year, according to the you know, general, you know, current uh, state of affairs right now in the world? It's much easier than what we think, but we tend to be stuck. And again, that's a, that's a mindset thing, right? So I don't know what to do. What should I do? Talk to the people that you have already built relationships with, which is a ton of people. And you're not going to sell to them. I mean, you, you don't have to have, to have a, like a hard sell conversation. Just, hey, a chat. You said it. So I just have a chat. How are things going? How are you? What are your clients that, you know, sharing with you? What do you see happening in the future? Just have that conversation. And that way, you will, you will gather the market intelligence that you need to keep moving forward with maybe a new product or a new service. Yeah, another way that I do as an entrepreneur and especially as a salesperson is I normally will read uh, magazines or blog that my ideal client will likely to be reading. So I'll, I'll notice uh, not only to the, to the articles and I'll also watch out for what kind of ads uh, people are putting. So I know that you know there are probably those type of company or their industry or service industries that are, you know, doing well. So I could see as an entrepreneur, as a, as a business person, can I shift to those category? Because obviously they're putting ads in there right now, uh, or they're changing to those type of content right now. Uh, is their industry shifting to those areas? So uh, these are some of the questions that uh, I ask myself all the time. Yeah, and you text upon something really important, which is what is your what is your audience, right? What is your audience? For instance, for myself, as I serve, you know, corporate America and executives in corporate America, very often I go to those events in which the large consulting groups, the large, you know, 
consulting companies in the world, they present the surveys. I was just, you know, in the presentation of a survey from PricewaterhouseCoopers the other day, and it was about, you know, the global CEO survey. That's the community I serve. So around me, there were a lot of executives. I'm continuously being invited to those forums, right, to those networking events in which I gather additional intelligence, which allows me to see exactly what's going on in the world. And with that information, I actually, I cannot only feed my own business and maybe even think, am I going to be pivoting my services to serve that need that this specific global survey, the global CEO survey in particular, uh, you know, all, all those, uh, you know, fi findings of, the, of that survey, I, I'm gonna, am I going to pivot my own business or am I going to help my clients to pivot towards that? So again, it's a matter of knowing what your audience is and being always listening. Something that we don't do good very often is that we don't listen. We really don't listen. We, we are so stuck, and not only of taking action, as we said before, but stuck in our own lane. Is it, isn't it crazy? I mean, we tend to think that we have to keep on doing, keep on doing, but hey, if things are changing, how do I have to change? Maybe it's not only the content. Maybe it's not only the service. It's also the delivery of the service. And we spoke about online versus, you know, face-to-face -face or in person. So there's a lot of many different things. And that's why my favorite business mantra, as you probably uh, know, it's taking perfect action now, taking perfect action now, because I think it, it really defines a lot what you can do. But more importantly, I'll, as soon as you go down that, that route, you will start seeing what works and what doesn't. And people get stuck and they don't want to walk it, really. They want to stay at their comfort zone until things maybe get so wrong or so bad that it's too late. So, you know, take your perfect action and listen to what happens around you whenever you take that decision of taking a new route. I love that. And I actually, uh, I think reading your bio and then, you know, knowing that you, you spoke five languages and I know how you feel about this topic, uh, expanding globally. So, uh, can you talk to us a little bit more about that? I think, is Absolutely. it only for large business or like at what point would you recommend a client or a CEO to think globally? That's a, that's a great question because obviously I was working in corporate America and I was working for, you know, let's say large corporations and, you know, I was always working internationally. So I was instrumental to the expansion of those corporations. But at the same time, I was always building or helping entrepreneurs because we had what is called in the in the sales environment like indirect sales models, which we, which means that I was helping, I was creating distribution channels. So I was consistently identifying small companies, small businesses, or mid-sized businesses that could be our distributors in those particular areas. So what I'm trying to say is I would personally be involved in conversations, not only with my large corporation about how to expand internationally, but also with the small companies on how to expand internationally, because we would offer those small distributors to actually expand internationally. Very often, if you're an entrepreneur and you're already, you already have that, you know, that your, your business in a place where it's, it's, it's thriving, it's generating revenue, you're living comfortably, I am 100% sure that someone at some point has come to you and said, you should take your business globally. You should take your business globally. That happens, Swire. That happens. And when I have this conversation, they say, yes, absolutely. There was this friend of mine, there was this support, there was this company that they told me that I should take my business globally. So when are you ready to take your business globally? Well, the most important thing is, I mean, do you have the financial, you know, cushion to do this? Because it's not only like finding your clients, but it's also like there's the, there's, you know, 
tax issues or, or, or tax aspects of it. That we're talking about, uh, you know, HR, which we're talking about legalities. And all those things are part of your expanding internationally. There are very soft ways to expand internationally that don't require, let's say, a lot of investment from your side. It can be done, you know, depending on the services or products that you are actually offering to your clients, your international expansion can be like very, very, very like uh, economical or financially viable. But that's, that's the first thing that we have to do. We have to say, okay, so this is what you have. I would like to, to, to take my business global. Let's pick a specific area. And I can, obviously we can help that company to do that, to decide what's the area. That's the, do your products or services have to be customized? How? Do, we have, do they have to be like translated? Do we have to find local partners, local distributors or resellers to do that? There's, there's a lot of many different routes that we can go. And I wouldn't say there's not, there's a, there's a, not only like a black or white answer. It always depends on the services, on the industry, on the stage of the business and on the financials of that company at that point in time. But I have to tell you something. There's always going to be clients for you. There's always to be clients. Very often, some companies are saying, oh, but who's going to buy this? I mean, I do this here. I'm very successful, but it's so local. Why don't you ask yourself a different question? What do I have to do to keep on making money out of my current intellectual property, but in other areas? So the question is completely different. You already have an IP, right? It can be your products. It can be your distribution. It can be your services, how do I make additional money instead of only focusing on my backyard? We become very complacent. Don't you become complacent, Swire? Of course we do. With our existing clients, we keep on offering them the same kind of service or products. But at the end of the day, we know that there might be other opportunities in other areas. And every single geography is different. You said, you mentioned before, you know, in April last year, I started to have these, you know, 20, 25, you know, offers on my email what about maybe using those same offers but to other geographies? Maybe you could have expanded, you, have, you could have exported those products to other areas and you could have made probably, knowing your intelligence about this market, knowing this, being you, you know, savvy about this product and about this market, maybe you can go to a new market and start making offers to different people that were going to buy them. So it's not it's not as complicated as it as it sounds as far as you have a process in place and you have a plan in place, and that's what we do. Yeah, I, I like the example, especially I think you know when especially a small business they will think that you know we're a local business. What we have is very niche, and you know probably no one outside of our area would like that. You know, I like to put a good example, right? Uh, think about if. Let's say if you're in the music industry in Korea, for example, mm -hmm. uh, there's a, a boy group called BTS. So they could have stayed in Korea and then, you know, be popular. But what they're doing, they actually explain globally. They are everywhere right now. Uh, they're, you know, one of the most popular band uh, here uh, in globally. So they, they don't even speak English. Only one member speaks English. So like the language barrier, you know, it's gone. You know, so everywhere you go, every endorsement that they do right now, think about how much more commerce that they do. It goes beyond the music. So uh, the team that is behind uh, the group is doing a phenomenal job. You know, they can go anywhere right now and then they will just pack the stadium. As many seats you have available, it's packed 
you know. Yeah. So uh, think about an example like that. They could stay uh, in Korea, but then they actually look at what's around the world, and then they expand. And this is a perfect example, you know, in a big way that how uh, you 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 might think you're weird, you're small, but then maybe somewhere in the world there are people who are drawn to your weirdness or you know just that you know you're unique of your product. Exactly, exactly, because that's when. When I talk to entrepreneurs that are just starting, and I do that very often with the startups, something that happens very often is they they got they get like again entrenched in this like competitive analysis, competitive analysis, and I dare you, Swire, like ten people like you, like even offering the same niche product, they can be successful in the market, and you still are going to make a lot of money, and the rest can be also make a lot of money. What I'm trying to say is, all of us. Just being who we are, we are going to attract a different audience. Just and, and we could even be doing the same thing. We're going to attract a different audience. People will resonate with Swire, and maybe they don't resonate with me, just because of who I am or who he is. And that's always going to be the case. Always going to be the case. There's always going to be a market for you. Always. And if you go to the market and you try hard enough, you will see if maybe you have to tweak your strategy a little bit. But I see that so often that people just stop, stop their business, or just change, you know, like de deliberately the line of products or services they are providing before trying enough, before even listening to the market. I remember when I was, you know, training. I had a, a large sales force myself. I was training a lot of salespeople, and I remember in the initial conversations, people, you know, new salespeople were always be afraid of leads, right? What if I run out of leads? What if I run out of leads? And I would always tell, well, if if you run out of leads or your manager is not able to give you more leads, guess what? I'm going to give you another 1,000 leads or I will tell you like 10 more sources of leads for your business, right? So again, are you coming, are you asking yourself the right questions or are you coming from a mind of a scarcity or of abundance? There's always new ways to find leads. There's always new sources, new. And right now, guess what? You mentioned it before. Online. Before, if I wanted to go to an executive event of a particular, you know, profile of people, you know, very often there were some, you know, invites, and you, it was, it was not that easy to get into those events. Guess what? Most of them right now are for free. Everybody can access them, or it's much easier to access them, and you get to the same, you get to have the same knowledge. You don't have the same kind of relationship with everybody. I agree, but you still have access to these networking events. And there's many more. I mean, just go to LinkedIn, right? You mentioned LinkedIn before where I spend a lot of my time and my team does too. Go to LinkedIn. How many thousands and thousands of events from which you can learn so many things about your future or existing market? Oh, my God, it's, it's overwhelming. I mean, who, who doesn't really know about what their market is like right now is because they don't want to, because they, they are looking at the wrong place, right? It's amazing. What a blessing. I mean, Obviously, with all due respect, you know, to everybody, I always see the world in terms of opportunities and blessings, and we definitely are surrounded by blessings right now, Swire. Yeah, and, and you touched on that, and I, I do wanted to get your take on that, you know, uh, you know about conscious leadership in time of uh, adversity. So, tell us more about that. And I think you know you are right, and you could be the I would use the word weird because I'm weird in, in a lot of ways, uh, but. Some people do connect with me better than other salespeople. So, and I'm fine with that. You know, maybe I don't do a certain thing and I don't uh, be and look in a certain way that other people do, but then comfortable with 
what I am, you know, the way I talk, the way that I write, the way I present. And there are uh, customers that like that. There are customers who don't like that. And, I, you know, took me a lot of time, but then I'm getting more uh, accepted, you know, that, you know, and there are people that are your customer. There are people who might not be your customer forever. You know, very often, very often uh, people ask me, hey, what, what do you think, you know, how to approach or what's, what are those three, three things or four things or, you know, X number of things that you should, we should know about approaching CEOs. And one of the first things always on my list, you know what it is? They are always looking for unconventional knowledge. Hmm. Always. And they really value unconventional knowledge. And I think that's really important. You call it to be weird. Actually, if, if, if any of my three kids would be here, they would tell they would tell you how weird I am in many different areas of our lives, right? That's a different story. But what I'm trying to say is I've always been in my life looking for unconventional knowledge and doing unconventional stuff. And the same as you. Maybe I don't resonate or everybody not doesn't resonate with me, but I'm fine with it because you know what? Looking for unconventional knowledge, I have been able to serve my clients better. And that's what I want to keep on doing. The other day, the other day, I was I was looking at one of those, actually, that uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers Global CEO Survey, right? Global CEO Survey. And I was reading about what's the number one concern about corporate CEOs today. So one, one of the most important concerns, you know what it is? How to help their teams upskill. And there was like 76% of, I think it was 76% of CEOs said that. So right now, CEOs are really, you know, thinking about what are the skills I have to give my teams so they will be able to develop themselves and their careers and keep on providing value to the market from our company. What are those skills they should give them to be able to face uncertainty? Just knowing that piece of information, what is that telling you? What can you do? Let's say you are an entrepreneur and you're providing services to corporate America. You are a trainer or you know an educator or you are a consultant or you are a coach. How many things can you do? And then knowing that this is a concern, I think this is a very nice trend because you mentioned here in the, you, you actually uh, label here like conscious leadership because I believe that that really shows that right now conscious leaders and excuse me, leaders in the corporate world, they are more and more conscious about, that, about caring for their teams. I believe that in the future, you're going to be a conscious leader or you will not be a leader anymore. Because people have more and more and more and more choices. I am receiving every single day. I'm very active on LinkedIn, but I, I get so many emails from recruiters. There's a big, massive fight for talent right now. Big, massive fight for talent. And guess what? The disengagement of the workforce in the U.S. is not improving. So what's going to happen? People that have been for a few months maybe test, testing the waters, you know, and they're right now working at home, maybe some of them decide not to work for that corporation any longer. So the the, the, the fight for, for talent is going to increase. That's why I'm saying I have no doubt that conscious leadership is something that every single CEO should know or should have in their agenda. They should be right now thinking about how do I become a better leader? How do I become a conscious leader? How do I profoundly and wholeheartedly start caring about my team in a systematic way? So we change the, the, the organization and we are really ready to fight, you know, this uh, war, this battle for talent in a much better position. We keep, we keep, excuse me, we retain the existing talent, 
but we also keep on attracting the best talent. That's a very important thing. So everybody out there, just take this into consideration when you're starting to think about pivoting. Yeah, I love that. And I think the last question that I will ask you, and you know, and you'll be the perfect person to ask. And how do we become a business influencer? And I wanted to narrow it down a little bit uh, to talk about on LinkedIn. Because as a business professional, we know that LinkedIn will be the platform that we should hang out most and spend most of our time on. We could learn about a prospect, a supplier, or an industry. Uh, so, and you have a lot of followers, and everything that you said and post, and people actually engage with that. Uh, how does one take to become at your level, or at least half of uh, half as good as what you do? Well, uh, thank you, obviously, for for your comments. You are you are right, and that's a. Uh a blessing that my, you know, let's say my, my career, but, but has put me uh, uh, through, th thank, thank God. But I would say number one, being intentional. If, you know, in 2016, when I left corporate America, I made it an intention. I wanted to become an influencer, a business influencer. And from a few hundred, you know, connections, right now I have many more connections, but it's not about the number of connections. It's what you do with those connections. It's how warm those connections are. How do you nurture those connections? And if you, as, as you said very well, I mean, there's months, obviously I have an editorial calendar and I post on every single media outlet, but mostly on LinkedIn. And I'm very cautious about what I post. And I, I'm, I'm sure I know what people are going through. So every single day that I post, I post something that it can be maybe some something really like personal related and not about me, but about them. What are they going through? You know, or what's going to happen this week that might be relevant for their for their lives, and I want to make a comment about this, and I want to comment about this particular you know initiative or activity or or date which is important for them. So in order, you have to understand that influence is a game. Influence is a game, okay? <laughs> influence is a game. So you have to play the game, and you have to play the game very humbly, okay? In order to start playing the game of influence, you actually have to, you know, you have to give influence to people that have more influence than you. Mm. I'm going to repeat this. You have to give influence to the people that have more influence than you. And then they will return the favor to you. So are you doing that? Are you actually, you know, commenting on the most, on most or people that are more influential than you on the feed? I obviously use LinkedIn because it's, it's a big, massive search tool where professionals go and meet for different reasons, finding clients, finding jobs, it depends. But go there, you know, are you giving influence? Are you commenting? Are you liking? Are you sharing? So that's the number one step. Number two, the content that you share. Don't only share con you know, content about what your expertise, what you're a thought leader of, also comment the things that, that relate to the personal lives of the people you're trying to serve. Number three, number three, I'm not a hard selling person, okay? So I will never call Swire and tell him, hey, I would like you to coach you and you have no other place to go and you have to hire me and this is why and this is how much it costs and this is the scope and then please send me your check. That's not me. I believe in creating long lasting relationships on LinkedIn, through email, through all the social media outlets. And that's done over time. If you want to rush it, you're gonna make mistakes. It, I'm fine with making mistakes, but the game of influence takes time. I really commend you to generate relationships and to make sure that you keep on creating those relationships. I mean, I'm blessed with having a team, but I would say that you genuinely engage with your connections on LinkedIn with, with, 
on, on a similar level than being on a networking event. Okay, so if you think, for instance, the other day one of my clients had a had a cybersecurity you know news that they wanted to share. So I reach out to all my chief technology officers and chief information officers of my network because that makes sense. And there were actually 50 plus that said, oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing. That was great. And again, that wasn't solicited, but I wasn't pitching them for anything. So I keep on building that relationship all the time, all the time. And finally, I'm always looking for unconventional knowledge, always. So if you provide real value through your content, both personally and professionally to your network, you will become that influencer that you always wanted to be so that you grab attention and people will come to your content and comment on that content. I think that's a, that's a pretty safe route, Swire, to become a, a business influencer. Yeah, I, I like that, you know, because, you know, we like to learn information about ourselves, right? So at the deep down, we all selfish with our interests and our business, right? So if we can find a person or a company that always providing the information that we want to read, then we will follow that person or the company instead of someone who always trying to sell us and we can tell right away we consumer are smart when they see an ad they know an ad right away and i skip right but then if you are looking for information and you trust that person you develop the trust then that's i will tune in every day you know i'll, I'll learn from the person every day and you know one of the things that, that my audience tells me most often more often is your content is refreshing your content is refreshing. I go there and I know that you know I can like have my mind somewhere else. I mean, it's 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 a great way to tell you you know I'm, I will consistently go to your feed and react and read what you're posting, even if it's not you know business related. Of course, I do business related posts because I want to still share some areas which I think are relevant for my audience. But still, just be a person, be yourself, be authentic. Don't pretend to be anybody else. Be yourself. Whatever feels right for you to post. Just post it and forget about the consequences. No, honestly, just be yourself and go online. I mean, I, I don't you know? Don't, don't even don't even believe what I'm telling you. Just go to the most you know visited posts on your feed on LinkedIn, and you will see what they're doing, the kind of content, the kind of media. You will see. Judge by yourself, Swan. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. You know, by by well, you gotta obviously spend time. Onto it too, you know. I, I would suggest you know follow Angel, right? That's the number one thing Thank to you. do, and then uh, follow other people that are you think are famous or uh, influencer in the industry. Uh, look at what they're doing. Is there something that you can do and uh, develop your own twist, you know, your own personality to put it on there? Uh, so you know you could tell uh, the same content in different ways, and you know maybe you develop your own voice that people will follow and listen to. Absolutely. I agree. And again, it's a, it's a matter, this builds up. I mean, building relationships is building relationships. It takes time and you have to be persistent, right? So just, I mean, don't care as much as about, about the number as for the quality of the relationships that you are developing and interact with them. It's very, I mean, there's so much that you can know about every single person on LinkedIn. Yes, just knowing most of the people don't post, don't, don't create their own content. Most of the people just react to other content. Just by seeing what the others react on to, you will already have a lot of market intelligence for you to decide how to approach someone. There's even software, there's artificial intelligence software available right now that according to the words that you use on your LinkedIn profile, they are telling you how to actually write to that person to generate attention. 
it, wow. everything is available right now. Everything. So if you don't do a better job, it's just because you didn't do your search. You didn't do your, your research. Excuse me. So yeah, yeah, and I think one one trick that I learned, not trick, but you know, one thing that I do, right, is I do put some of my interests and hobbies onto my LinkedIn bio. And uh, I'm a certified kettlebell instructor. I actually put that because I'm proud uh, on my LinkedIn profile. Every single time a client or a business contact that I met on LinkedIn contact me, they ask me about that. They could have asked me a lot of other things that I put on there, but then they go there. So I think if you have a special achievement or if you have a special interest hobby, uh, you can actually uh, relate to uh, those type of group of people better that are also business professional themselves on LinkedIn. Absolutely, yeah. It, it's much easier. Again, we're talking about business, excuse me, about personal relationships because at the end of the day, even if you are a B, like a B2B person, business to business person, still you will have to develop a relationship with someone that will open you the door to that particular company, right? So it's always person to person all the time, no matter what. Okay, great. So, Angel, uh, I wanted to thank you for you know all the information. And if listener wanted to find out more about what you do, uh, what would be the best way? Absolutely. The easiest way is to actually send me an email. I'm going to spell my email very easy, angel, A-N-G, 